0: This Torah class is brought to you by com. We're going to start off tonight with a very powerful question, alright? Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, it, it, it's a question with an answer, but you'll figure it out now. You ready? Like this. Very simple. At the end of the day, everybody knows that when the brothers tell Yaakov, By the way, your son... Passed away. He's gone. They show. They didn't really say that. They just showed. They really just showed him uh, his coat full of gold blood, and then on his own, Yaakov says, "Oh, my my sons, uh, my sons died, and everybody's coming to give it all his children." Pasuk Pasuk says that all his children says, "Bani his sons and his and his daughters." And she says on the spot, "Which daughters? Which daughters came to visit? He had daughters. How many daughters did did Yaakov have?" How many daughters did Yaakov have? He had one? So if he had one, why is it saying he had many? He had all his daughters came to, to give him What, what is it that? The Basuk says, the banot came. Rashi says on the spot, two answers. You ready? First answer he writes, is every daughter-in-law, well this is the second answer he writes, every daughter-in-law, right? You, when you have your daughter-in-law or son-in-law, you don't call him, oh my daughter-in-law, she's my son-in-law. He's in your family, it's your son. He's in your family, it's your daughter. You understand what I'm saying? Your father-in-law, yeah, you're right, he's your father in law, he's your father. Your mom, you call him mom, my mother. You know, my mom, my you want to say your mother for your mother, and your mom for your mom, your dad for your dad, and dad for that. Doesn't make a difference. But calling them names, so therefore, really. Now she says one answer is it's his daughter-in-law's. Really? It's his daughter-in-law. But why they call him Banot? Because that's the way. You have a daughter-in-law, she's your daughter. You have a son-in-law, she's your son. Like that. That's how that's how you view it. That's how people talk. The second answer Rashi says is because what? It's because that every Shevet that was actually born, it was born with a twin. So Shevet Elven, it was born with Elven and a girl. Shimon with a girl. Every pair of the Shevatim was born with a twin. Now it says they came and they want to menachem, they want to give him condolences, and we know, everybody knows, that ya- Yaakov wasn't being con- con- uh, consoled. Why? They say one of the biggest berachot that Hashem gave us is a barakah called forgetfulness, shichichah. Why is it so good? Because sometimes a person has to go in life in a certain situation or lost somebody or something happened, lost his money, lost his business, lost his that. And therefore the pain is still there. However, through time, you forget in a certain way. You forget that sad that pain, and you forget that pain goes away. Understand what I'm saying? Sometimes the person passed away. All of a sudden, you hear the person. That's it. I'm never eating in my life. That's it. Finish. You're going crazy, right? And they and they have to feed him. They have to give him a down right away. But through time, forgetfulness, you always remember. But the pain is not there. How many times do people come? I'll never forget. I was in the summer one time, and somebody called me up, random number. It was a lady, young lady from a camp, sleepaway camp. I don't know how she got my number, but she called me up, I'll never forget, in the middle of Boondah. I was like, how'd you get my number? It's like, Robert, that's not the point right now. Like, this is not the point. I need your, I need your advice. I said, what? Well. She tells me like this is a true story. She tells me, I, I just got, uh, uh my, my boyfriend, the one who I was going out with, he let me go, but, he, he's dating my best friend. And it's killing me. I, I can't. I, I can't function. I can't sleep at night. I can't this, I can't that. The pain is gruesome. Yeah. So what do you tell, what do you tell Like What are you gonna say? You know, what I told her, I said, listen. Hashem made a gift that you'll see the pain automatically, you'll forget about that pain. It'll definitely go away. You'll see it on its own. You'll see it a month, two months, six months, a year. You're going to eventually get married. You're going to forget about him. You're going to say, Baruch Hashem, I never met this guy. Baruch Hashem, you were my best friend. I'm happy to get out of here. You're going to do that. But what? Through time heals. Because there's a a built-in forgetfulness. So why wasn't Yaakov having condolences? Why? Is because the reason why, because there was no forgetfulness. You know why? Because Yosef was still alive. You understand? Yosef was really still alive. So since Yosef was still alive, so the the pain of that forgetfulness wasn't wasn't there. Because the benachat when does it come? When the person is totally out, and then everybody hears that sold? Everybody hears that foundation. Now that being said, the Beit Hamikdash. When did it get destroyed? To about two thousand years ago, let's say, why are we still mourning? The mourning, right? Uh, well, what's the what's the biggest mourning up to one year, right? They have shiva, you have shloshim, you have a year. Even when a big tzaddik, you have shiva, you have shloshim, you have a year, and then you have. But at the end of the day, why was? And then you have a yort site, right? Once a year. So you're, if you're going to answer me, what well, Tisha B'av is the yort site of the of the Beit Hamikdash? So what? All the time we're commemorating the Beth HaMikdash, if you realize. All the time. The highest peak of your is where? Where's the highest peak? You know where it is? In your wedding. When you get married. If there's something else. But when you get married, at least... The, you know. Yeah. And what, what do we say? What do we do? We break the glass. And what do we say? We're remembering Jerusalem now? Jerusalem 2000 years ago. Bring me la. We say it there. When you have, when you have buying a new home and you have a new home, you have halacha of, of leaving a mahalama, uh, put about a foot and a half by a foot and a half empty space when you walk in. There's so many alakhot, about bad beta tikkun hatzot, every night. Rabbis, I saw rabbis, tikkun hatzot. Midnight, they would sit, and they would sit on the floor. I remember Cham Shaul Kassin. I love I was by Abraham Kassin's house one time, and it's, it was 12 o'clock at night. I, I see the, the chief rabbi coming down. He said, what's going on over here? He says, no, he comes every single night, 12 o'clock, he does tikkun hatzot. <laughs> tikkun hatzot, is the beginning of the Sidud. So it happened two dozen years. Don't we, don't you say you stop mourning? Isn't that, a isn't that a valid question? You're going you're gonna to mourn forever? What's the answer? Isn't there, Isn't there a sign of forgetfulness? Isn't there? And furthermore, I'll tell you, it says, <speaking in Hebrew> It doesn't say, Yiske. It doesn't say, He will merit eventually. It says, Now he'll merit. What's in the now? There's no now. No, there's dash now. So you ready for the answer? The answer is, even though the beta Magdash is missing, it's still around. You know what I just said? Even though the Beta Magdash is missing, it's still around. Like Yosef HaTadik, he was still around, he wasn't dead. So Yaakov couldn't get over the morning. Same thing, the beta Magdash is still around. That's why we can never get out of the morning. Why it's still around and you tell me where is it? So I'll call you a Gemara. You can look it up yourself. It's on Yudbet Amudbet. This is one of the Gemara of many places in Shas, where it speaks about that Jerusalem is still around. But this is open, open, open book. I'll show it to you right now. Yudbet Amudbet. What does it say over here? I'll read it to you. You ready? Listen to this. The Gemara says, there's a place in heaven called Zevul. And, and it says, Zevul, what's Zevul? It's a place in Shemaim. You see, the heavens are big. And it says, Bo Yerushalayim, HaMikdash, Umizbeach Banui. It's already built. It's already built. So therefore, the whole entire time we're mourning because it's still around. in right, the fact that we don't have it in this, that, 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 that. But it's still around. Hashem is just waiting for the Tshuva and everything like that to bring it down. That being said, we can never forget about the B'Tamikdash. It's always in our hearts. Hashem doesn't have the bet HaMikdash, but it's still around, it's just waiting to come down. And therefore the mourning always has to continue. Whether you do Tukin HaTzot, whether you sit, I always say a person should sit a few minutes, like even 30 seconds before he goes to sleep, sit by the door and say, oh, I missed the bet HaMikdash Hashem, and then go to sleep, it doesn't make a difference, just a little bit to show the morning. But why are we staying to mourn? The answer is, is because Betta HaMikdash is still around. And if it's still around, we still have to continue mourning. Like Yosef. Yosef was still around, and therefore Yaakov couldn't forget because he was still around. It's the same thing. It's a very big what we're speaking tonight. That's the first one. All right. Second sword is like this. Second point is why are the avot called avot? Why are the avot called because they are forefathers? But one of the things that the avot, Rabbi Haim Palachi says, is they excelled in kibud How they excel in kibud avim? Avraham, Isaac, and Yaakov all ex- all excel. They-, they went to the next level of kibud We know by Abraham before he went lech lecha You know what the pasuk says right before, like the parasha right before at the end, it speaks about his father dying. But we know his father died much later. So why is it speaking that his father died now? His father died much later. So before he leaves the land, it says in the Torah that his father died, but his father died later than that. So why is it in the Torah now? Because Achadosh peruenu Avraham is not going to go ahead and just leave his father around. He's not going to just leave his father. It's disrespectful to leave your father. So Hashem said, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Nobody's going to think bad about you. We're going to make it. Yani, he passed, And that will give you the confidence to go. And we'll take care of your father, we'll do everything. So once Avraham heard that his father will be taken care of, and Hashem wants, and he'll put it in the Torah like that, then he went. Look, at the Zatibri Avraham Avinu had. Second thing is, Yitzhak. Yitzhak is by the means, He could tell his father that, what are you doing? He could just tell us that, I'm out. I'm not gonna let you sacrifice me. Instead, what does he say? He says, that, is this what you wanna do? Is this what Hashem wants you to do? No problem, I'm ready. He could have told him, take Ishmael. You know, you have two sons, why are you taking me? Take Ishmael. (laughs) No! This is what my father wants, this is what he was ready to do. He had that, that respect. And Yaakov had the respect where? By what? Yitzhakov. If God tells him, go get the Berakha. You know how, you know how afraid, he, uh, 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 it says the psukim how afraid Yaakov was just to go get the Berakha? But his mother said. If his mother said, I got to listen to my mother. kibud da'vaim, We'll go. You understand? So because of all those, they respected on a high level their parents constantly. And they didn't make excuses by the way. You see, Yosef, how did the whole story of Yosef happen? You know how the whole story of Yosef happened? The whole story... How it happen? One day Yaakov is coming back, and Yaakov doesn't see his sons. But Yosef is around. And he tells Yosef, Yosef, go ahead and get me. Go see where all your brothers are. You, what does Yosef do right away? No problem, Dad. No problem. At that time, Yosef doesn't know there's friction between him and his brothers. Whatever friction it is, you know, oh yeah, the 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 dreamer is here he wants us all to bow down to him, he wants us all to bow down to him. There's a friction going on. And yet, what does Yosef do? Yosef says, Yes, that this is what you want me to do? No problem, I'm gonna do it. And he went out of his way. He went out of his way to respect his father. Wow, it's an amazing thing. And I'm gonna tell you right now what scoot he had. Listen to the scoot. The scoot was that from that. Ma'aseh, let me tell you something. There's something called Galut galut Edom, it comes from Esav. Esav is the longest Galut, the longest exile. That's from Esav. And why? why is it that Esav is the longest? Because Esav respected his father. What did he do to respect his father? He went in the fields to get him food all the time. Dad, you want this? He was hunting all the time. Dad, I got you this. Dad, I got you that. Dad, I got you this. Dad, I got you that. He was always going ahead and hunting and hunting and hunting and hunting and hunting and doing all these things for his father. So because of that, he had a scoot of, of, of such a scoot that till today, Galut Edom is still existing because of Esav. Now what's going to happen? There's going to be something called Mashiach ben Yosef. There's two Mashiachs by the way. Mashiach ben Yosef and then Mashiach bin David. First Mashiach bin Yosef comes, and then Mashiach ben David comes. And where's Mashiach ben Yosef gonna come from? From Yosef as-Sadiq. And you know why? Because Yosef combated that kibudah v'a'em that Esav was doing to go in the field to get his father food. Yosef did that to go in the field to see where his brothers is, because that's what his father told him to do. So even though Esav, yes, he did all that, What did Yosef do? He went, even though he knew there was friction, but his father told him, go check where your brothers are, go to the field and check. He went to the field. Midah, kenegi midah. Yosef, you're going to have from that lineage, uh, Mashiach bin Yosef is going to come out of you, to combat, to be against that, that kawach of Esav that had kibudavim, is kibudavim. You hear how it's going, working? You hear how it's working? And not only that, it's brought down, that why why the avot called Avot. Avot, Abraham, yitzchak, Since they, Re- says, since they respected their parents on the highest level, so all their lineage, they're gonna respect the avot. Says, when you respect your parents now, your children respect you later. A lot of times, oh, my, 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 my kid doesn't respect me. So Habibi, when you were younger, did you respect your parents? Oh, I get my parents, uh, forget about it. So what do you think? What do you think? You want to make chuva, so there's always ways to make chuva. You know, Kibudah, but I'm just just telling you right now, it's 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 midah midah, measure for measure. You gotta understand that. All of a sudden the guy becomes uh all the guy, his kids don't respect him and So whoa, 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 what about you? Did you respect? Yeah. So so far we learned two lessons. One lesson was, like we said, was what? About Yerushalayim, that really it's not it's still here. That's why we're still mourning. Like Yosef is still around. Second one is like this, Hidush about you bin Yosef, where he's going to come. Now, the next thing I'm going to discuss is like this. We all know that Yosef, we all know that Yosef, the brothers want to kill him. Who is the brother that says, throw him in the pit, like a, like a, like a small pit type? Who was that one? Which brother? Reuven. Reuven is the bechor, and he says he's responsible. There's no way he's gonna get. They're gonna kill his uh, his his son. What's gonna happen if they kill his son? What's gonna happen if they kill their brother? Who's gonna who, Who's gonna get it? Reuven his father's gonna say like, w- "You're my bechor. Where's my son? You know what happened? Aren't Aren't you responsible? Like, what's going on?" So Reuven says, "Throw him in the in the in the pit over here, not in a dangerous one like any." Of course, it says that there was snakes and scorpions in it. But he says, what was Reuven's intention? Reuven's intention was that if they throw him in the pit, what happens is, he's is going to go ahead and he's going to save him later. Clear? He's going to go ahead and save him later. Now, there's a famous Midrash on this. <coughs> Listen to Midrash. Midrash says, if Reuven knew that the Torah is going to go out of its way and speak about Reuven. Look at what Reuven did. He was the oldest brother. And you know what he did? He went out of his way. And what? He went to go save his brother. Wow. It's a praise. If he would have known that the Torah was going to speak about him, you know what he would have done? He would have held Yosef and brought him back to his father right away. No, 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 the way. But he didn't know the Torah was going to speak about him like that. So he didn't do it, right? So now what's your reaction? And it goes on, the goes on further. Shut the, the heat, please. It's boiling. Should, right? The, the Midrash goes on, the Midrash goes on even further. You know what the Midrash says? Midrash says now another point. You ready? Midrash says that Moshe Rabbeinu, when he became inaugurated, right, who was happy for him? Aaron. His older brother was happy for his younger brother. And it says, Samach He was so happy. Midrash says, if Aaron knew that the Torah was going to say, say his reaction when they saw his Moshe Rabbeinu is, is going to be the, the leader, if he would have known, he would have, he would have played a band. Like he would have came out with with, 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 with a whole band. Yeah, I was so happy for you, Moshe. I didn't know. I didn't know they're going to tell me. My the Torah was going to write the reaction of me towards my brother. I would have, I would have played a whole musical uh, symphony. The third was with Boaz. Boaz gave root at the time. In root gave root some kernels, and at the time it says the pasuk says, "Oh, Boaz gave wheat to root." That is says, "Oh, if I would have known that the Torah." Was going to write about me that I gave food to Ruth. You know what I would have done? I would have gave her seven course meal. So this needs explanation. This midrash, Now Moshe. It needs explanation. What's going on over here? What, what, what's their intention? What do they want? They want honor. What do they want? What, what, do, they, what do you think they want? There, there's something. There's something deep here that we have to figure out. And I'll tell you. I'll tell you the depth to it. The depth to it is like this. In our lives, there's something called peer pressure. Sometimes you'll have it more than other times in your life. But peer pressure happens all the time, no matter what stage you are in your life, and I'm going to explain. Reuven, Reuven, sees all his nine brothers. His nine brothers want to kill him, kill Yosef. So he's thinking, Oh my goodness, if I go against them, maybe I'm going to be the wrong one. So now what does he do? He says, you know what? I'll try to be with them and a little bit without them, with them, without them. I want to kill my brother. Let's put him in the board. But once he realizes that the Torah is praising him for it, that means it's the right thing. If it's the right thing... I wish I didn't have that peer pressure and I would have went all out and I would have carried him and I would have brought him back to my father. Aron, if I would have known, meaning people might frown on it. People look at Aron, why are you so happy? You should be the one. So he's thinking in his mind, maybe I should be the one, but maybe I shouldn't be the one. I'm happy for my brother. But he had that peer pressure that's around him saying, oh no, you should really be the one, you should really be the one. There's peer pressure around. But if he would have known that that was the right thing to do, he would have forgot all the peer pressure and he would have won and he would have made a band. Wow, Moshe. Boaz! Who is Ruth at the time? Who is Ruth? She's a com- we have no clue who she is, this, that. So, Boaz is saying, if I would have known that that's the right thing to do, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be pressured about nobody. Because people would think, oh, what are you doing, Boaz? Who is she that you're giving her? Who, what are you doing? Who is she that you're giving her? That peer pressure stopped him from making a whole big thing. So there's a big in the end in life of something called peer pressure. Now, I'm gonna explain to you a story and a few things about peer pressure. I was at a wedding, a few years ago. And at this wedding, it was separate in the beginning. It was separate in the beginning. And then in the middle of the wedding, they took out the mehitzah. They took out the mehitzah. They took out the mehitzah. Now somebody came over to me and says, Rabbi, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go put back up the mehitzah. He went ahead. He took two guys with him. And he put back the mehitzah. Okay, 10 minutes later, they take the main side down. Who takes the main side down? The manager of the hall came in and took the main side down. Five minutes later, they put it back up again. So it's going back and forth, back and forth. The manager now goes to the guy who is putting it back and says, Listen, don't put it back up. It's pressure right now. Huh? Don't put it back up. So he goes to the Hatan. And he tells the Hatan, listen, I don't know if you're realizing, I know you're you're very into your wedding, but you see the Mehitzah on and off, right? So he explains to the Hatan in his wedding, what's going on. The Hatan gets up, he goes to the manager of the hall, he says, I swear to you, if you don't put up the Mehitzah right this second, none of your workers will be paid tonight. And I was there hearing the Hatan telling this to the manager of the hall. I was there. I heard him. And I, and I came to him and I said, at the wedding, at his wedding, I said, I'll tell you who the guy is after, after, after this. I'll tell you guys, you guys know who he is. You know who he is. He used to be here every week. And I came to him and I said, how did you do that? What, what was your reaction? What were you thinking? And you know what he tells me? He tells me, I knew it was the right thing. I knew that the Shekhinah, on my wedding night, how am I going to, to be for my whole life, knowing that the Shekhinah, when Hashem wants to come dance with me in my own wedding, it's going to be all mixed, dancing together. And I was able to, to hold on and stop any pressure that was coming upon me. I didn't care. Because I knew it was right. And once I know it's right, in my mind, nobody's stopping me. If this is right, that's it. Nobody's stopping me. And a lot of times, pressure comes up throughout your life. And it starts from when you're a young boy. When you're a young teenager. When does it start? It starts when the, when the person comes over to you and it starts with a cigarette. And you're, you're an innocent 14 year old kid, you just became bar mitzvah, now you just hit 14. And now you may maybe hitting 15. And maybe 16. And then all of a sudden it's the first time where, where, where your friends pull out a cigarette. Ah, uh, you're gonna have it, you're not gonna have it. I can't, it's not, That's where the pressure starts. And he like, Oh, I'm gonna call. and you take the first one and you and you cough. <coughs> Fifty remember you on the first one? <coughs> yeah, oh, yeah huh? what? It's dizzy. It's dizzy. Yeah, he, he knows he's a pro with this. <coughs> he, he goes and and, and and he's coughing and he's coughing and he's coughing. That's the first one. The second one, by the third one, he already got addicted, and now he's already older. His friends are not even with him, but he's still smoking. What happened? The answer is he got hooked from the peer pressure that he was younger. But if he would have stood his ground, if he would have stood his ground and said, I don't care, this is right, I don't care, I don't care, I'm not doing it. I don't care if I have to lose all my friends. It's not right, I'm not doing it. And it's the same thing. Sometimes people become, sometimes people become alcoholics. How do they become alcoholics? The first drink that you drink in your life, the first drink, It's disgusting. It's disgusting. Nobody likes his first drink. Facts. You don't drink a a shot of vodka, or a shot of tequila, or a shot of uh, whiskey, or a shot of scotch, or a shot of... uh, Oh, this is delicious. No. You know what the first thing is? Give me a chaser. Give me some Sprite. I gotta drink it down. You know, give me something to to, to chase it down. That's why it's a chaser. You you can't handle it. Ah, Right away, you take the... uh, I can't drink this. Take something else. Until you get used to it, and then already you become, uh, uh, none of your friends are there, and already you have a bottle in your in, in your drawer for dinner, every dinner you're having a scotch, every day with, a, with, a, with an ice cube, and every dinner you're having scotch. Until 20 years later, the doctor says, listen, your liver is uh, shot. What do you mean? Your liver is shot. 20 years, you're, you're having two cups of scotch every single night, three cups of scotch every night. It, it, it's getting worse and worse, your liver, be careful. Then you look back, you're like, what? How did this even start? It started with some pressure. You're with some friends. They're all telling you, take a shot. Come on. Take a shot. Come on. Take a shot. And they keep on doing it. So a strong person doesn't want to start with this alcohol. Says, I'm out. I'm out. I'm out. I'm out. I'm out. And he stands firm. And when he stands firm, What's going to happen is it's going to be the first two times, three times they're going to try to peer pressure you every single uh, wedding or bar mitzvah or bris or any party. They're going to try to try. After three, four times, they're going to stop. They know you're already stubborn. You're not going to listen. Okay, no. But if they see you're a little bit here, a little bit there, a little bit there, okay, take one shot. But but they already got you. They broke you. They see that you can't handle the pressure. It's constant, 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 constant. constant. You understand? That's just the beginning, by the way. give you another case. Lady... Calls Rabbi, what? What's the problem? You know, I'm trying to be more tzni'ut. It's so beautiful. What's the problem? It says, I come to my in-laws' house, and I'm wearing tzni'ut, and my sister-in-law sitting there gives me that look. It's like what look? It gives you that look. Oh, you, you started to become religious? Yeah, you are religious. Now you're not even better than us because you're religious now. Oh, you have your skirts now. That's it. Now you can't talk to us. So now, what happens? It's a peer pressure that she's getting. And either she takes it and she can grow further from that. She could say, good, I have this pressure, and look what I'm doing for you Hashem. I'm still wearing my skirts, and I don't care what people are going to think, because I feel this is the right thing, 100% is the right thing, and I'll do it, do or die. So you pass the level of peer pressure, and therefore you're on a higher stage in, in, in that aspect. And you know what's going to happen? Maybe the first month, first two months, the first three months, every time you're going to go to your in-laws, your sister-in-law will tell you something. But after three months, four months, six months, a year, it's all over. you Your you're religious are ready. are religious are ready. But what? It's that beginning. It's that pressure. How are you going to handle it? Are you going to give in or are you not going to give in? It's the same thing when you're going to have kids. One day you're going to get married, and you're going to have kids. And the pressure is going to be on. How, Daddy? Everybody's going to this place, and and we have to go. Everybody's going. I look at the place. This is a not kosher place. Doesn't mean no, but Dad, the food is kosher. Yeah, but the whole environment is not kosher. See, goyim, all non all shtuyot. The, 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 the place is not sniut. No, but they have a kosher, a, a, a section they're selling, uh, on a stand they have, uh, kosher Kalavi sale ice cream. But I see everything else, the whole thing is not, I'm giving you an example. The whole thing is not sniut. Now the pressure is on. Because your older child says, "That come on, come on, come on. And then you have your other kid crying all over the floor. Dad, you always do this to us. You never let us do anything. I hate this house. I want. wish I was born in a different house. I can't handle this house. And every, every kid is pulling you the other way. And as a father, are you going to fall into their pressure and say, okay, we'll go? Or not? You understand? That's pressure. That's pressure. That's pressure. I'll tell you a cute one. You even get pressure from your child that's a four-year-old. Example. Shabbat's, I come here. Now I live far. I live about a 20, 20 to thirty-minute walk, and from the shul. At Shabbat one week, I was coming. We have a kids program here, so I was bringing all the all the all the older kids older than four. Now my four year old puts on the jacket, zips up, goes like this. Four year old little little kid, little little kid, daddy like like daddy, I'm coming with you. So where are you going? And she doesn't know to say shul shul Thul. She doesn't have to say shul shul shul. So what? If you can't even say shul right, that's it. You're not coming. Shul. <laughs> like no. And then she's on the door. Now she's crying hysterical. Hysterical! Ah! That's pressure, by the way. It's pressure. So what did I do? I fell into that pressure, and then also sometimes your wife is telling you, "Just take her." My wife doesn't. I'm just saying. Then the wife. I'm giving an example. But okay, just take. Her. Okay, yeah. Now you have pressure from the kid and pressure from your wife. Take her. Okay. Now you're in the middle, of walking. Halfway, in the, you know, she's doing good. You're almost at the school. She's four years old. See her on the floor. She she can't walk no more. Come on, no no no! I can't walk. I can't walk. I need a break. How long do you need a break? I need a break. I need to break my feet. Now we're waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting. Now she comes to the show. What does she do? She doesn't go to the kids' program. She stays with daddy with, with her daddy over here. She's on, on my head giving the class. She comes on top of my head giving this. Come ahead. But now what happens? I gave into that pressure. Next time, even if she's pressuring me, what's the what's the answer? No, you're not of age. No, you're not of age. What's going to happen? She's not going to come me. The second I'm going to leave, she's going to still cry. Five minutes later, she's going to stop crying, and the pressure is gone. Five minutes later, she's going to stop crying, and the pressure is gone. These are just examples of different t- times in your life where you're going to go through pressure points, and we want to see how great you're going to become it's the same thing with the year of Israel a lot of times a lot of people have pressure do they go to the year Israel when they finish high school or not a lot of times and that pressure is going to come on and on and on, yeah, every year you have to think oh what should I do, should I go, should I not go my friends are going, my friends are not going and I I want to do what my friends do Rabotai, the Torah is telling us one thing if you know something is right completely, do it till the end If he would have known there was a lot of pressure from all the brothers. Maybe it's not the right thing to take Yosef. Maybe it is. Maybe it's not. He's a lot of pressure with all his brothers. So what happens? He leaves them there. But if he would have known that that's the right thing, he wouldn't have cared about any pressure in the world. And he would have went. He would have went. He would have went. went. Same thing. About who? I don't. If I if I would have known that everybody would agree to me that Moshe should be leader, I would have came with a parade. And boss, if everybody would agree to me that I should give Ruth something, I would have given everything. It's all pressure. You know what happened to me in the shul. You know that it happened to me in the shul. We had a teenage group once, and they wanted to go to Florida so badly, and we had a deal. The deal was that we go to Florida. It was it was in the I don't know what it was it was like uh, Airbnb like like one house to rent for the boys and the deal was that they stay for the for the for the what's it called for the entire year of learning and then we take them six months in one of the guys pressured me so much Rabbi you have to take us I said a year. No, now we'll come back. don't worry, just give us the trip and this and that, and after the trip we'll come back even stronger and this and that. I told one year. I gave in. after six months we went, I took them I, I didn't go. I, I flew them out with somebody. Something happened right after the trip. Oh, one, one, what, what was some, There was a compl- uh, some, something happened that, that that the principal found out they missed a day of school because of a flower trip, and this, that, 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 that. They never came back to the to the to the to the to the classes again. They never came back. Six months they didn't. I don't know if they learned. They didn't learn. Six months the it was off, and I knew in advance at the end of the school year they'll have off, and then for sure the the, the 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 principal wouldn't care if they missed one day. There's no days missing of school. They missed half a day when they came late and that that day when they came. And guess what? The whole thing blew up. But why? Because they got the pressure, pressure. Yeah, go, 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 go. In life, you have to make your decisions on what's right. No matter how much pressure you're going to have. You have to analyze the situation. Don't jump to the conclusion. Sit. It's right. Go forward. Wrong not? A guy's going out with a girl. All of a sudden, after two weeks, he gets a, he gets a call. What happened? Oh, the the, the, in, the in-laws, they want to know if you're serious or not. Now they're putting pressure on you. Do you want my daughter or not? You have another few more dates and that's it. Oh, I can't. And now you're putting pressure. Now you're all pressure. You don't know. Maybe she's the one. Maybe she's not the one. And they tell you, listen, in two months, if you're not deciding, you're out. So much pressure. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? Sometimes it's good. They They got to move you a little bit. Sometimes they gotta move you a little bit. But even if they have to move you a little bit, you gotta sit and contemplate without their pressure on your head. Is it the right girl or not? In your marriage, is that the right or not? You're not gonna just jump into it. You gotta think and analyze. And this is the lesson of the Torah is teaching us over here tonight. The Torah is teaching us if the Ovenu and Boaz and, 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 and Aaron, they would have went all out and they would have done much more. But there was, there was pressure from the brothers, from this, from that. And our, our lesson tonight is to understand one thing. No matter what force is going to be pressed on you, you got to think what's right in life. If it's right, I'll do it. If it's wrong, I'm not going to do it. And no matter how many people tell me, if I know it's 100% wrong, I know it's 100% wrong, it won't be done. I'm going to just conclude with this. There was one rabbi. It's a true story. I'll tell you the rabbi's name. It's a rabbi in Panama. You want to know who it was? It was the the chief rabbi, Cham Tzion Levi. You know Cham Tzion Levi? A big tzaddik. He was in the time of Chamavadiyah Yosef, Cham Baruch, Cham Desch, all these Chamim, they were in the same era. And one time, Cham Tzion Levi was doing the right thing for the community of Panama. And Chamavadiyah writes it in Adene Melech. There's a sefer that writes the story down. And he says, and people today, they, they tell me this story. You know, I said this once, Rabbi, you know, you're so right. Uh, uh, many years ago, my, my, my grandfather knew the story, and he saw the story. Listen to what happened. There was a time where they were making a petition against the rabbi. Making a petition. And everybody, they needed 20 signatures. 10 signatures. And all the top community members... And why? Because he wanted to have it separate, uh, 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 what's it called, uh, separate something, uh, 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 something happened, uh, they wanted something separate, he wanted something very, very important. Uh, al al Lakhadr has to be done. And they were all signing the petition. One person, another person, another person, another person, they came to one signature, his name was, I think, Yehuda Aslan Safdi, I forgot exactly his name. And he looked at it, and he said, you're signing a petition against the rabbi? He's doing the right thing. Are you crazy? And they kept on pressuring him. Sign! Sign! We're all in one committee. You're the only one who didn't sign the committee. Sign! 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 He says, I won't sign. We'll kick you out of the committee. I will not sign this against the rabbi. I'm not doing it. No way! He didn't sign. They went to the rabbi and they showed him the signatures. This, this is what we want. This is what we want. All these people, they want. The rabbi felt so bad. I don't know what happened. He felt so bad. That year, whoever signed that paper died. And this person, who did not sign, lived. Because he knew what was right. If it's wrong, it's wrong. If it's right, it's right. No matter how much pressure you have in your life. No matter it's squeezing you. Do it! Do it! Do it! It's wrong! I, I, it's do it! Do it! It's wrong! Absolutely not. But if it's right... No matter who's gonna tell me, don't, 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 I'm gonna do it because it's right. You have to know if it's right or not. But if it is right, you did it all the way. way. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnyTime.com